put on your list also, um, I mentioned it on Facebook, but everybody is on there. Um, pray for uh, Ron Hunter. Ron <clears throat> went in the hospital last week to get his gallbladder out, <clears throat> but his platelet count was way down, and so they were not able to do the surgery until yesterday. Or they did the surgery Monday. And then um, <clears throat> he's in the hospital at least until tomorrow. So they did finally get the surgery. And they're a relatively new couple, been coming. Um, well, he said everywhere, but he drives the new maroon colored Chevy pickup if you ever see that, but anyway, <clears throat> but pray for Ron, I know he would appreciate that during this time too, so then continue to pray for Joe Camacho's mom, Olga, who had a heart surgery and then got an infection, not around her heart, but they're fighting that infection to keep it away from her heart because of the surgery that she had, so I know they'd appreciate that, so <clears throat> also Dustin and Spike are going to be out here tomorrow. Um, we're starting to lay the uh, irrigation system for our activity field. So hopefully in the next couple weeks or so, we'll be able to lay some sod and get our activity field up and going. <clears throat> we'll have to stay off of it for a little while just until the roots get established. But uh, Kenny, any idea how long that takes for sod to establish? Two or three weeks, Okay. So if we made it a month or so, we'd be safe. <clears throat> Good. All right. So that's going to be great. 100 and 200 feet that way and 270 feet that way. Big field. So it's going to be great. I want to see 200 kids out there on it one day. So anyway, so <clears throat> pray for those guys as they work on that. I know they'd appreciate that too. So all right, we are in... The book of Acts, back in chapter 18, we have seen verse 1 that Paul has now uh, moved into Corinth, and as we, as we uh, look at the book of Acts and we look at the missionary journeys of Paul, we see he makes pretty much the same uh, journeys each time, <clears throat> a little bit different, but a lot of the same areas he goes into, and and he goes in and and uh, goes to the churches that have already been established, and uh, helps strengthen them and encourage them, and and uh, help answer any questions or problems that they may have. And then, as he moves on into new areas, he moved into Macedonia, and uh, he has. Uh, been in Macedonia, and then he moved on to Athens or Berea, and then he went into Athens, and now he's moved into Corinth, and <clears throat> we see that there are uh, challenges in itself here in the in the city of Corinth, and uh, we saw this last week in the uh, first few verses here of of through uh, verse five. We saw that uh, first of all, Corinth is a very ungodly city, and so there's going to be a lot of challenges there, and God knew that Paul was need, needing some encouragement, and we know why, because we'll see it in a, in a moment, but uh, in doing so, Paul brought 
a couple of uh, people to him, Aquila and Priscilla, and uh, he worked with them, but also I'm sure that they gathered strength from each other being believers and obviously uh, uh, struck up a, a friendship because we know that Aquila and Priscilla move on with Paul and and travel with him a short distance. And uh, so we see the fellowship of believers and how important that is. And And even as Todd said, it's important that one of the things that we do as believers for one another is pray for one another. And Make certain that we do that. Make certain that we set time out to, to pray for one another and pray for God's protection and, and healing and, and provision in, in uh, one another's lives. And so we saw that in the first three verses, the fellowship of believers. And then we uh, get into verse 4 and go through verse 11. That's where we'll end tonight, is a fruit of faithfulness. And first of all, in, in verses 4 through 7, we see the uh, Paul's practice and, and something that he does wherever he goes. And uh, first thing he does is he goes into the city, he finds a synagogue, and and it's there that he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And so he debated with them, he discussed with them, he he preached the word of God to them, and and through that there were many that were convinced. There were many that uh, uh, repented, had a change of mind, and and. Uh, towards Christ, and there were many of them that that were saved uh, during this time. And and then it tells us in verse five that more company came. Silas and Timotheus were coming to uh, from Macedonia, and it was then that Paul was really pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And and as usual, we see this over and over. Not everyone was. Uh, open to the gospel, and there were those that opposed him, and most of those that opposed him were the religious and the religious Jews of the day, and they uh, opposed themselves, they blasphemed, and so then it says that he shook his raiment and said unto them, your blood be upon your own heads, and uh, he said, I, I am free from this, and I, I have I've done what I can to share the gospel with you, and then he moved on to the Gentiles, and then it tells us that he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And so here was one that uh, also worshiped God and, and in, a, in a reverence to God. And, and so he moves in with him right next to the synagogue and starts reaching out to whoever will listen. And in this case, many of the Gentiles uh, were listening uh, to him, and and so his practice, we we see his preaching. His he was had a press spirit, and <laughs> then we see the the uh, the idea of the casting the pearls before swine, and how we need to ha- have a little bit of discernment in what we do and where we go, and and sharing the gospel, and then we see in verses seven and eight the. The promised fruit that God gives, and uh, I, I love this. And look in verse eight. <clears throat> so here he is; he's joined up with Justice, staying in his home, right next to the synagogue, and uh, sharing the gospel with whoever will listen. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. I. It, it, what what an encouragement it is to uh, know and understand this. I, I think 
preachers need to hear this, and we need to be reminded of this often. And 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 there there are churches that maybe are struggling out there, and, and they're wondering what can we do to 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 crowd? What can we do to to build this work? And and so many of them fall trapped to thinking that they have to do something to themselves, or or they have to market their church differently than what they are, and and that they need to go about and treat this more like a worldly or a secular business, and, and, and they do that, and they might grow the church, but they grow it wrongly in doing that. And, and here he shows us that you want to grow the church in the way that God wants it to be grown, stay dedicated to preaching the gospel. If if there's a small group, then train that small group to be a good soul winner and going out and witnessing and testifying and, and encouraging others and convincing others by teaching them the Word of God and, and how to use the Word of God as a tool and, and, and working in other people's hearts and lives and minds. And Look, in, in our church, I do believe that, that the success of this has been because there are so many people in this church that do believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, that do believe in the power of the Word, and they go out and they share the Word, and, and look, God is blessing that. Praise the Lord for that. And, and, and we thank God for that. And, and here we, we see that even the, the religious leaders during that day were getting saved. And, and uh, you know, Paul, Paul writes about the, the power of God's Word and, and faith over in Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, you remember verse 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, then he goes on and he says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's anybody that goes out and shares the word of God, you're a preacher. You are a proclaimer of the word of God. And, and how we need to continue to be faithful in doing that and, and seeing the importance of, of the the Word of God. And here it tells us that the Corinthians hearing, hearing the Word of God, what did they do? They believed. They believed. They, they trusted Christ as their Savior. It was then that they accepted Christ. And it was then that, that they, uh, after their belief, then they were baptized. Then they took that step where, where they trusted Christ. And then they wanted the world to know. And here it tells us that Crispus was the chief ruler of the synagogue. You know what the first thing that happened to Crispus when he heard, believed, and then was baptized? He lost his job. He was no longer the, 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 the chief caretaker of the chief ruler of the synagogue because you go on down a little further and, and we see these already been replaced by Sosthenes. And another one has moved into that position. And, and so... Uh, here, though, we see that there were many that uh, trusted Christ and how we, we need to continue to be faithful in, in preaching and teaching the Word of God. And in Psalm 19, and it tells us in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, 
converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. And I know we've, we've used this one many times, but God writes about his word in Isaiah 55. And he tells us in uh, uh, verse 11, he says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You know, there, there are times where <clears throat> we really, really want to see someone make a decision, and, and we're so tempted to, to try to coerce someone, and, and and we're so tempted in trying to manipulate that one into making a good decision. And look, there's nothing wrong with trying to convince someone of the truth. But you convince someone by telling them the word of God, and then you must leave it there. You need to allow God to do the work in that person's heart. You need to, you, you need to allow God to take his word and, and cut in and dividing asunder the, the joints and the and, and, and cutting all the way to the heart and, and allowing God's word to do that work and, and converting that soul and, and changing their minds on things that are going on in their hearts and their lives. And, you know, there, there are many times where I've, I've sat and I've listened to a preacher and they, and they preach something and they want to bring you to this decision and, and, they, and they get you wound up emotionally and, and you make some kind of a decision based upon the, the heat of the moment and, and the emotions that are that are driving you along the way and you think, man, this is great. And then uh, a week or two down the road and you're, you're back into real life and you're back into the, the, the ruts of things and, and then all of a sudden you fall back into the, the old habits because you're making those decisions based on emotion rather than making that decision because God is convicting you and bringing a conviction in your heart and your mind. That will change your life when you allow God to do that. Well, that's what... We need to do and allow God's word to, look, God said it. My word will accomplish everything that I want it to accomplish. So allow him to do that and, and be patient with people. And, and sometimes we want to see them make these choices quickly. And, and we, we need to look at our own lives and realize that most of the time, ours weren't such quick decisions either. And we need to be willing to help others and, and see those changes in their lives. And, but then we go on, and now we see that we see the salvation of Crispus in verses 7 and 8, and, and, and the salvation of many more. But then we also see God's promised presence in verses 9 through 11 back in Acts 18. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision Be not afraid, but speak. And hold not thy peace. This is what brought me to, to see the importance of Ananias and Sapphira in the first three verses. This is why it showed me the importance of, of Timothy and Silas coming alongside Paul 
Because what God just wrote, this is a command, and he's telling Paul, Paul, stop being afraid. This isn't a command to, to don't ever let this happen, but in the, in the tense and the voice of this, we see that God is telling Paul, commanding him to stop being afraid. Paul, you need to stop this. You need to, you need to trust me and, and, and stop uh, being concerned about these things. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I, just, I, I find that to, to encourage me to, to realize that Paul, in all of his strength and, and in all the power of God, that's been upon his life and, and, and to, to have been stoned and, and you know, he's going to go through a shipwreck and, and actually he gives testimony. I think he's on three different ships that wrecked and, and uh, beaten and cursed and ridiculed and slandered and uh, people trying to kill him. And, and, and here we see that Paul, uh, God, knowing Paul's heart, tells him, Paul, stop being afraid. It is okay. You know, there, there were some powerful men back in the day that uh, the Scriptures were written, and, and many of them at times were afraid. I believe Gideon at times was afraid, but by faith he still stepped out and followed God. Paul was one that was afraid, that still stepped out and, and followed God. And, and, and I, I've used this many times in my own life, but Jeremiah, there, there's quite a few examples here in Jeremiah, if you want to follow with me, that's fine. I'll, I'll read them. The, Jeremiah 1, he starts in verse 4, goes through 10. He says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have set this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. You know, there, there were times in Jeremiah's life, though, where he, he dealt with some, some, some terrible, tough situations in his life. And it tells us in Jeremiah 20 in verse 1, or verse 9, he, he said, then I said, well, it, you know, if you go back, verse 2, you see that he was putting stocks, and, and, and uh, we, we know that he was beaten. We know he's, he's thrown into a a dungeon at times. But anyway, and then in verse 9, because of some of these hard times, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. That was Jeremiah who said that. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and could not stay. Jeremiah 23, verse 28. The prophet here, God is giving warning to, to the Israelites and, and their wickedness. And in Jeremiah 23, 28, the prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is a chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? And then one more over in 26 and verse 2. Then saith the Lord, 
Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak unto all the cities of Judah which come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words that I command thee to speak unto them, diminish not a word. Don't restrain, don't withdraw, don't hold back, don't sugarcoat it, but you give it exactly how I tell you to give it. And we're, we're missing that today. We're, we're missing that in, in, in our churches. And, and, and a perfect example of that, I, I read this article this week. This, this was uh, written by a, a man. His name is Oliver Thomas. He's in a, a, a columnist for um, USA Today. He's a retired American Baptist minister. Okay? Remember that as I read this. The, the title of the article is American Churches Must Reject Literalism and Admit We Got It Wrong on Gay People. Here's what he said. Churches will continue hemorrhaging members until we face, face the truth. Being a faithful Christian does not mean accepting everything that the Bible teaches. A sad thing is happening in America. The church is killing itself. A great revelation has occurred that is bringing joy and happiness to millions, but is being met with resistance and retrenchment from many of my colleagues inside the church. The revelation is that LGBTQ people are just like the rest of us, only LGBTQ. They're not perverts, nor are they abnormal, as the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Experts once declared them to be. People don't choose their sexual orientation any more than they choose their race or gender. This is what lay behind a recent comment by Mayor Pete Buttigieg or whatever his name is of South Bend, Indiana, that Vice President Mike Pence's quarrel, if he has one, it is not with the mayor. Your quarrel, sir, said the openly gay Democratic presidential commandment uh, uh, candidate, is with my creator. The United Methodists, one of America's most beloved denominations, are doubling down on their opposition to gay clergy and gay marriage by threatening expulsion to congregations that don't toe the line. The threat is particularly ominous given that the denomination, rather than the local congregations that paid for them, hold title to the church buildings. Conservative columnists like Patrick Buchanan warn of the crack-up of Christianity. <clears throat> here's the corner we painted ourselves into. The Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Does that seem like a corner that you painted yourself into? Yet, the Hebrew and Christian scriptures did not float down from heaven perfect and with error. This is coming from a Baptist preacher. They were written by men, and those men made mistakes. A few of the more obvious ones include the sources of inspiration for the census taken during the reign of King David, the, uh, uh, King David in 2 Samuel attributes uh, it to God, while uh, another passage attributes it to Satan. The dates of the crucifixion says it was on Passover, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke say it was a day earlier, the day of Abram's pilgrimage from Mesopotamia to Canaan says it was before the death of his father, Terah, but Acts says that it was after. Maybe if he didn't use the English Standard Version, he'd realize that the truth is the truth, and it has been recorded uh, perfectly in something other than the corrupt version. 
<clears throat> I, I just added that. That was my own quote. He goes on, though, and he says, the most difficult challenges arise when the teachings of Scripture are contradicted by reason and experience. Slavery is the best or perhaps worst example. In hindsight, we can see the obvious. Love your neighbor as yourself does not leave room for the enslavement of others. But Southerners had Scripture on their side. Slaves were admonished to submit to their masters in the writings of both Peter and Paul. The Hebrew Scriptures likewise considered slavery as part of the divine order. But we knew better. Even so, it took a bloody civil war before Southern Christians came to grips with the fact that blacks were not inferior to whites and should not be systematically kidnapped, murdered, raped, and enslaved. And even that wasn't enough. The rise of the Ku Klux Klan, white citizens' councils, and private K-12 segregation academies across the South attest to how slowly prejudice dies when it is supported by proof texts from the Bible. A similar thing happened with women's rights. While the Apostle Paul, again, exhorted women to submit to their husbands and keep silent in the church, reason and experience taught otherwise. Despite Catholic and evangelical resistance, more and more of churches will continue, uh, or more and more of today's churches are elevating women to positions of leadership and authority. Churches will continue hemorrhaging members and money at an alarming rate until we muster the courage to face the truth. We got it wrong on gays and lesbians. This shouldn't alarm or surprise us. We have learned some things that the ancients, including Moses and Paul, simply did not know. Not even Jesus, who was fully human and therefore limited to what first century humans knew, could know about cancer, schizophrenia, atomic energy, and a million other things the centuries have taught us. It's difficult to watch good people, and the churches are full of them, buy into the sincere but misguided notion that being a faithful Christian means accepting everything the Bible teaches. We don't impose the death penalty on adulterers, Sabbath breakers, and rebellious children, nor do we chase women from God's house because they are menstruating or exclude men because of their physical handicaps. Yet all of this and more is commanded by the Bible. The time has come for Christians to take a deep breath and ask themselves, what does loving my neighbor and my enemy as myself look like? And then proceed accordingly. John 3, verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. I had somebody accuse me of condemning people to hell. I don't do that. God's word does. That man's going to split hell wide open one day. And he's going to stand in front of God and he's going to say, God, I used your name. God, I was the one preaching about you. And God's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I do not know you. I think that he is a perfect example of withholding what God's word says. Much of that he took completely out of context. This, this man obviously, being a, being a, no wonder our churches are in such a mess when you have pastors like him stand up and supposedly supposed to be preaching the word of God. You, you show me one American Baptist church today that is flourishing. 
God put Ichabod upon that, that, that denomination years ago. And I, I find it amazing, and I find it, I, find it, I find it disgusting and vile that someone would call him a pastor. I mean, they should just belt him and, and move him out because here, here he is telling Paul, Paul, stop being afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. I, you know, our, our world, our country is needing people to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. Look, this is the Word of God, and you can stand upon it, and you can live your life based according to it, and you can trust Christ as your Savior, and you will have an eternal life in heaven. And it is because this is what the Word of God says. I mean, men like Paul died for that. Peter died for that. Those apostles, those 11, those 12 men counting Paul died for that. Stephen died for that. And, and this jack wagon around here saying those kinds of things and, and, and making a mockery of God's Word. I mean, I, 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 just, I, find it, I just find it sick. I do. I just, I find it to be a, a sad day. And, and so here, we go back to Acts 18, verse 9. Paul, stop being afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee. That I am, when you see that like that, when God makes that statement, that is the same statement that he made to Moses in the burning bush. Moses said, who do I tell them sent me? You tell them that I am sent you. I am the one that has always been and, and always is and always will be. The one that's eternal. The one that's God Almighty. The one that you come to only through Jesus Christ. The one that created this world. The one that will destroy this world. You stand upon me and you trust me. And so what did Paul do? And he continued there a year and six months teaching the Word of God among them. Doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. Doesn't matter what everybody else does. We need to stand upon God's Word. Doesn't matter what everybody else says. And don't think that it's not coming here. <laughs> we need to make up our minds today, me and my house will serve the Lord. Whether the rest of the millions choose not to, we choose to serve the Lord. And let's do it. It works. It works. I mean, this is exactly what, what people need. They need to hear the truth. And they need to hear it in love. But they also, in, 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 in love, that, that you don't sugarcoat it and you don't withhold it or withdraw from it, but you lay it out here. This is it. And we stand upon it. And when you read articles like that, it should just make you ill. It does me. To think of the people throughout the generations that have lost their lives, standing upon faith, and some flower child comes up and, and uh, writes something like that. And all he wants is the praise of men. Well, he better enjoy the praise of men because that's all he's got. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray your blessings upon it in Jesus' name. Amen.